you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Exodus, all right? Exodus chapter 11. And uh, we've been in this series, right? And um, this, um, this really cool series that, uh, well, I think it's cool, all right? And, uh, but pictures of Christ, right? Pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. And, uh, and again, you know, so many things, I've, I've, you know, I've been in church, you know, I've been in church most all of my life, but I have not, if, if you know me, I've never been a believer until I was 21. And so I knew all of these stories, right? I knew every one of them because, because I had to go all the time, right? And I was in all the little classes and all the vacation Bible schools and I was in all the stuff, so I knew the stories. But the thing is, I never knew that they had a point, Right, I just thought they were, you know, a moral to the story, you know, kind of like apes of fables or something, you know. And, but it was an incredible thing. You know, when Jesus makes this statement, when he quotes from the Old Testament, he says, he says uh, seeing they don't perceive and hearing they don't understand. And you know, I, I'm convinced that a lot of people are like I was. They may know about the Bible, and, but they just know bits and pieces and they don't realize, oh, oh, there's an incredible, there's an incredible point to the whole thing. It truly is remarkable. Well, today there were three pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. There are three that Jesus himself, at least three, there are three that Jesus himself said were, were definitely pictures of himself, okay? Uh, there was last week, which was Noah, right in the boat, and uh, because Jesus made the statement, he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So there's a direct correlation, there's a direct picture that Jesus said from that story in the Old Testament and who he is and what he's going to do, okay? The second one is today, okay? Third one we're gonna do next week, Easter. And today is as clear a picture there are, some that, there are some others that are just as clear, but today's as clear a picture as this, and it's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it Passover, all right? Because again, that's just the easiest title, all right? Passover. Passover is, is, is an Old Testament picture from Exodus, but it is as clear a picture as, you're gonna see it today. Um, I have been amazed at just the response I've gotten from, <clears throat> from some of the little things that I've done up here. Because, because it's one of those things that's like, oh, so that's, that's how that all fits together. And, and you know me, it's just a passion of mine to, and I keep sharing this with you because I want you to understand that is my passion, is I want people to understand. Because if you can understand, then faith has a chance. And so, and so you're going to see this clear parallel, this clear picture, because when you and I, you understand this, we're gonna talk about this Friday. Today is going to be a great setup for Friday, Good Friday service. We're gonna do communion or Lord's Supper together, right? But you do understand, I'm amazed at how many times sometimes people forget or don't, don't remember or don't, don't ever really understand it. You will today. Um, is, is the, Jesus, we talk about the Last Supper. It really wasn't a Last Supper. It was a Last Passover. Jesus was celebrating when he instituted what we call communion, he was celebrating Passover with his disciples for the last time. 
Now, Passover is something that our Jewish friends have been celebrating for, I can't even say hundreds of years, thousands of years, because it's been 2,000 years since Christ, and then it was 2,000 years before Christ was when Passover happened, you know, give or take. So you're looking at something that is ancient. This thing called Passover has been passed down from generation to generation. And again, our Jewish friends are sticklers for passing on these things to their children. Okay, it's amazing because we do have a lot of historical data from the last 2000 years about Passover. And literally, the way they celebrate Passover today has changed almost, has not changed almost zero in the last 2,000 years, because we have a lot of historical data in the last 2,000 years of Passover and it's being kept and passed on. So you have then, listen, listen, you have then this picture from 4,000 years ago that has survived all the way till now. And at the end of this next week, again, our Jewish friends are going to celebrate something in the same way. And I believe God has protected it for this picture. And when Jesus would make statements like, for those of you who have ears to hear, you need to hear this. He's referring to things like this. Can you see it? Can you actually see it? And understand that this whole Jesus thing is not just something that just we came up with all of a sudden. It's been a picture that's being painted. It's been a story that's being written down through the ages. And it all points to who Christ is and what he came to do. And you're going to see it as clear today. So when Jesus made statements at the, at the Last Supper, when he, when he got to the unleavened bread and he broke it, and I've been a part of a Passover supper, and, and, and he broke it. That's part of the ceremony that our Jewish friends still do today. But Jesus said that this is who I am. This bread is who I am, which is broken. That is sacrificed on your behalf. And so Jesus was telling us that the Passover story was a picture of who he is and what he was coming to do. And so I just want you to see it. It's gonna be really simple this morning. We're gonna walk through it because when you walk through this, you begin to see. Because what happened at Passover? Well, Passover was something that it was celebrated because God set Israel free from their slavery, right? And they walked out of their slavery because of one event, the event called Passover, okay? And then basically what happened, they wandered in the wilderness, but they were on their way to the promised land. Now, what is the promised land? The promised land was a land, right? That God had promised Abraham, right? God told Abraham, hey, listen, your descendants are going to have this spot. But they were enslaved off in Egypt, but God delivered them and brought them to the promised land. So you have this incredible picture even in that, even in the parallel that you and I have today, that because of who Christ, what he came to do, he set us free and that that is too where we are heading one day in my father's house, right? Or many mansions. So you have then this incredible 
incredible bigger picture. And I have to be careful because sometimes I can be sharing and people's eyes glaze over when they're trying to figure, they're trying to put together what you're talking about. But I'm gonna make it really plain today. It'll be extremely plain. But I just want you to see there is a bigger picture to this. And that Passover is something that, that is, again, still celebrated to this day. And that it could survive, right, is remarkable. And by the way, that promised land that God promised Abraham and that obviously eventually they made it to the promised land on Joshua, you do realize that's the same land they're living in today. In fact, they had been off of it for like, you know, hundreds of years, but has recently within the last 70, 80 years have reoccupied that spot. It is just this remarkable story. But anyway, I get, I get, I'm going down rabbit trails. Let's get back to our, so Passover, what is Passover? Passover was, was an event and that, and that something was to happen at Passover that Jesus says is a picture of himself. That's what we wanna talk about today. So we'll put it all together, you'll see it. So if you wanna follow along with me, uh, number one is what I'm gonna call a land under condemnation. You're going to see in all these pictures that I share with you over the next few weeks, right? By the way, don't miss next Sunday. Obviously Easter, most people come on Easter, but bring people with you. If you want them to hear a clear picture, a clear, if you wanna hear, hear a clear picture, see a clear picture, hear a clear understanding of the gospel that next week is, is going to be it. Because it's gonna be the third one of those things that Jesus said was a, was a picture. So, but as we, as we go today, the land of condemnation, they all follow, they all follow the same storyline. They're just different pictures. The, the storyline goes a land under condemnation, right? You'll see Egypt in just a minute. Uh, basically it all begins with sin, right? Sin in the world, we all know that. And, it, and, it, and then it goes from sin to the wages of sin, which is condemnation, judgment, whatever you want to call it. And then it's always, after that, God gives you his word. He gives you basically a way. He provides a way out, grace, whatever you want to call it. And then it's our trust in his provision. And then it's the changed life that happens after we trust it. And it seems to follow the same pattern every week. It was the same way with Noah last week. And you're going to see it today. It becomes... This, this picture. So it's a land, what we're going to call a land under condemnation. Now, let me give you a little bit of background about the story. Joseph, if you know the story of Joseph, we talked about that last summer. Joseph, through a whole series of events, made his way to, to, uh, to Egypt, and he brought his family during the famine to Egypt to take care of them. Now, you have to remember the nation of Israel at that time was about 70 people. Okay, there are more people at the parish family reunion I remember growing up than 70 people. So really it started out extremely small, right? But it grew. But basically after a while, when Joseph died and a, and a couple of generations went by, is that the people were enslaved. But God had made a promise to Abraham. I'm gonna bring them out, okay? I am going to bring them out. And so you have all these pictures and God sent a deliverer, Moses, which is a picture of who Christ is, the deliverer. Those, those who have come to set people free from, from their slavery, right? Again, it, for those of you who have ears to hear, eyes to see, it, it's all over the Old Testament. 
And I just wanted over these next few weeks just for you to see a few of them, right? So anyway, so basically, if you know the story, right? There were 10 plagues that Moses came in that God did through Moses to, to share with Pharaoh, okay, you're gonna let these people go. I'm gonna set them free. And, uh, and he was pretty obstinate through the first nine, right? And if you've seen the old, right, Charlton Heston, right? Thank God for Charlton Heston. And people wouldn't know the story, okay? You're saying, what? Okay, it's an old, old, old movie, all right? Called The Ten Commandments, right? And again, that's not totally, all right, follow the scriptures, but it's, it gives you an idea. But basically there were plagues. There were everything from water turning to blood to darkness to gnats to, you know, frogs and boils and everything else. But it was the last one. It was the last one that set them free. And this is the one that we want, this is the one we want to talk about. Okay, this is the one we'd look at. So Exodus chapter 11, right? Exodus chapter 11 and verse one, it says this. It says, the Lord said to Moses, yet one plague more I will bring on Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go, right? And when he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Basically, he's gonna help you leave, right? Here's your hat, what's your hurry kind of thing. He's gonna, he's gonna be so glad for you to, it's going to be that kind of thing. In other words, he's been holding on to them because you're talking about a nation of slaves that they're able to profit from their work, right? So Pharaoh would not let them go, but God says after this plague, they're gonna, they're gonna help you leave. That becomes the picture. And he says, speak now in the hearing, okay, of the people. Basically what he tells them, that they, uh, that they ask every man, okay, of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Basically what that favor, grace, whatever you want to call it, basically the, the Egyptians, the Egyptians, after this plague, they, they, they held Israel kind of like respect, like, you know, yeah, we'll give you whatever you want. It's an amazing thing of what happened, Okay. It says, moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, okay, in the sight of all the people. So Moses says, thus says the Lord, about midnight, I will go out into the midst of Egypt and every firstborn, okay, of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle, okay? So... So there's another plague coming, and this one's gonna be devastating. He says, there shall be such a great cry throughout the land of Egypt that there has never been before and will never be again, okay? But it says here, not even a dog is going to growl against the people of Israel, right? There's gonna be a difference, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all those servants shall come down uh, to me Bow down to me saying, get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. He goes on to talk about, and he went out from, uh, from Pharaoh in hot anger. In other words, Moses left in, in mad at Pharaoh's obstinance. And then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh and the Lord hardened his heart, and he did not let the people go out of the land, okay? So number one is, this is to be the final plague, okay? This is to be the last one. 
Number two, it's going to be a universal. Okay, and number three, it's going to be fatal. The firstborn, right? And it's, 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 it's this incredible picture, but it starts with condemnation. Now, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. You know, John 3.16 is something that everybody knows, right? If you, know, if, you, if you happen to know a verse in the Bible, you know this one, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We're gonna talk a lot about that next weekend, okay, on Easter. But a lot of times people fail to read the next verse. And the next verse says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Now, I want you to hear this. That's why you don't hear a whole lot from me of speaking and preaching condemnation. Why? Well, Jesus didn't have to condemn the world, why? It's already condemned. Does that make sense? Why do you come talking about something, you know, something that, something bad when it's already bad, you know? But Jesus came into the world to be the answer. But the problem we have now in our culture, you have to talk about judgment or condemnation because our, our world, believe it, doesn't exist, even though it's right in front of them, right? Death rules our world, and yet nobody will talk about it. Interesting, huh? Nobody will talk about it. It's kind of like the pink elephant in the room, you know? And so the picture here is, is that, is that anybody who has a clear vision, the ears to hear, sees this. If we want to live in denial and in a dream world, okay, that no, everything's fine, everything's great, that's the great problem. But that this, is, that this land of Egypt is under condemnation is the same parallel that we're looking at in our world today. It's just at a different look, right? So that Christ didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but he came to be the answer, okay? He came to bring salvation, right? So I think he got that piece. So we have a land of, that's condemned. Number two is a lamb, okay? So you have this picture of a lamb, and I don't know why, but I always like to say lamb, but it's a lamb, all right? The lamb of substitution. Now, what's a lamb? A lamb is a very innocent animal, basically. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's vulnerable, right? And, and you have this picture that God's painting, right? And I don't want you to miss it. Is a, is a substitution is the key. All right, so Exodus chapter 12, verse one, it says this. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, he says, this month, okay, shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. So something is about to happen that is so extraordinary, that is so life-changing, that I'm gonna change the entire calendar around this event called Passover. And that's what the Jewish people did. And they still, to this day, the Jewish calendar, this is it. It would be like me saying, hey guys, today, you know, it is, it is March whatever, 25th. But today, we're going to change everything. Today now is January 1st. In other words, we're going to make everything around today. But I, again, for those of you who have ears to hear, 
what is our calendar today centered around? It's been 1918, 1918, right, years, or excuse me, 2018 years from what? Birth of Christ. You won't hear that in school anymore. But that is what it is based around. Therefore, an event happened that is so altering the birth and death of Christ that our entire calendar today is centered around it, just like the entire calendar back then was. 4,000 years ago, up to 2,000 years ago. So when you begin, if you've got the eyes to see this and the ears to hear, you begin to see there's got to be a work somewhere else within this that's putting it all together. It's an incredible thing. This thing called Passover, so transforming that it was. It changed an entire nation and how they were identified and who they were. And the picture that means for us as believers in who Christ is, all right? So the whole calendar is gonna change. Verse three, I want you to tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, Okay, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household's too small for a lamb, right, then he's to go to the nearest neighbor until you get the number of people that, that, can, that can eat, you know, one lamb, right? And, uh, and according to obviously each of what you're gonna eat, just count the lamb up, right? All right, take a look now, if you will, in verse five. It says, your lamb shall be without blemish, um, the old King James says that it will be perfect. Without blemish, that is spotless. That is, there's nothing wrong with it. It's perfect. Guys, the picture here is the innocent suffering for the guilty. That has always been the picture of the lamb. You know, so number one, it's a perfect lamb that you're to choose, Right? But number two, it's a personal lamb. Therefore, you're not just gonna awe, right? You're not just gonna awe, you know, you're gonna have one person do it for everybody. No, no, no. Everybody is going to obey God's word here. You see, God's word came to these. Here's God's word. God's word is there's something coming tonight. And here's what I want you to do, prepare. And you're either going to believe God's word and do it, or you're not. It's kind of like last week, right? And you have this same picture and all these things I'm gonna be sharing with you. I'm gonna be repeating a lot of things even though the picture will be different. It is sharing a lot of the same things. And it all comes down to this picture of Christ, right? So you'll take this lamb, you'll separate it until the 14th day of the month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel, right? Shall kill their lambs at twilight. So they'll be slaughtered to be eaten. Right? Now I find it interesting, right? I find it extremely interesting that you have this, you, you have this, you know, this lamb slaughter. A lot of times people are like, oh, I can't believe he's talking about, you know, killing an animal. Well, yes, yeah, see, because today you go into a grocery store and get it in a package. But you do understand that they were killed somewhere else and brought there, right? And it was all wrapped up real neat and nice for you, right? So this is what they were to do. But the picture the picture was clear. And here's what she says, this is what I want you to do. Then you're to take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel, right? Of the houses in which you eat it. And then you shall eat the, the meat of it that night. 
roasted with fire and unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Bitter herbs are interesting. I don't know if you've ever been at a Passover dinner. I have. It's, it's really interesting. There are a lot of different figurative things about it. And you have to remember, it had been 2,000 years I've been celebrating it until the time of Christ. And so, I re, you know, and it's changed very little. And, if, and I, I'll never forget, you know, that I remember that. It's, it's, it sticks in your memory because if you've ever done a, a Seder supper or a Passover, if you've ever participated, you have these bitter herbs and you dip them in salt water and you eat them. By the way, Passover meal is not the tastiest of meals, okay? It just is not. It's not meant to be tasty. It's meant to be, it's meant to be, to be symbolic for those who have ears to hear, right? As opposed to those who just go through the motions. Oh, yeah, 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 let's get this over with. But the bitter herb, bitter herb represents their slavery so that they would remember what it was like to live in slavery, the salt water represented the tears that came from the bitterness of their slavery. So everything in the Passover meal has symbolism to it. And so when Jesus celebrated the Lord's Supper, he began to share with them how they were pictures of him. Right? I mean, it's clear. He talked about the unleavened, can you put that verse back up there? He talked about the unleavened bread. Well, Jesus used that. You know, in the Passover meal, they break, they break it. We'll do that this Friday. Don't miss this Friday. I think it's going to perhaps be one of the most clear, if you've been part of this service, one of the most clear communion services you've ever been a part of. And when you truly understand it, it is an amazing celebration, right? If you truly, most of the time, people just go through the, the ritual and miss why they do it. And it becomes just this, this, this thing you go through. Right? So Jesus said, that's, that's, my, that's my body, right? That's who I am. We'll talk about a little bit more about that in a minute. So number two is to be a personal lamb, right? It's to be a perfect lamb and it's to be a personal lamb, right? It's to be personal. So basically in chapter 12, verse 21, it says, and Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, go and get your lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. It's time, okay? It's time for all of us to celebrate this meal together. Now, here are the instructions around it. Yes, the instructions for the lamb, to be perfect, to be a year old, to be male, okay? But here's some of the other instructions. Then it, it says, after you've, after you've killed the lamb for the dinner, right, I want you to take a bunch of hyssop. Now, hyssop was a, was a plant that grew and still grows, and I've seen hyssop, and it's, it's we would call it a shrub, it's dense and it's usually short, it usually grows, in, grows in, in drier climates. But basically, it was, it was easily obtained is the thought. So you'd take a bunch of hyssop, right? And dip the hyssop, the plant, basically in the blood, right? And you're to touch the lentil and the, and, and basically you're to strike those is what it says in other, in other translations. And the two doorposts and the, and the lentil that's in the basin. Now, here's another instruction. Do not leave the house. Okay? Once you've done this, do not leave the house until the morning. Why? Because the Lord himself is going to pass through. Right? Judgment's coming. It's going to pass through and strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two torbos, the Lord will pass over the door, which is where you get your turn Passover. Right? And, the, and will not allow the destroyer to enter 
the houses to strike you. Now, anytime anybody comes into contact with God's word, this was God's word to them. This is what God had told Moses to share with the people. You have two choices. It's like last week when we talked about that God's word came to Noah about building a boat. You have two choices. You can either obey it or you cannot obey it. You can either trust it or not trust it, right? So when God's word comes to us, we have two choices. We can either trust it or not trust it, okay? And nobody can force you one way or another. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it if I could, because God's word is like everything. God's given you a mind and an ability to say no if you want to. And that is your right. But when it comes down to it, there's something incredible to this picture. What did the people of Israel do? They did just, they heard God's word and they did it. They heard God's word and they did it. I want you to bring out our, our door frame. Y'all go ahead and bring that out. You know, I have learned through the years in doing what I do uh, that only about 10% of you are auditory learners. Y'all know what I mean? And you go, auditory, what's that mean? Hearing. Rest of you are visual learners, like me. I'm definitely a visual learner. So let's do some visual pictures here. Therefore, these are pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. Okay, here's our door frame. Okay. Now, get past the fact that this, this is not how it would look at all, all right? More than likely, everything that was built at the time was built of mud, right? Uh, bricks, that kind of thing, mud bricks, and those same things. But, um, here you go, get it right there. Uh, if you can't see it over here, then just look at the screen. Now, what you were told to do, I just want you to think about this for a second. What you were told to do is to take the blood and to strike it, right, on the two side posts and, the, and then the lintel. And then on that night, you were to cook the lamb for a meal for a group of people. And that when you did this, you were to enter the house and not to leave. And that everyone in the house was protected and then judgment would pass over because of the blood of the lamb. Okay, sometimes people get real freaked out about the thought of you know, the blood of the lamb, but at the time it was, it, but we just live in a freak, freaked out society, all right? They freak out about everything. And so, but the picture here is when you hear about that, what does the blood of the lamb mean? Well, it's symbolic and what it means is it was the innocent who suffered for the guilty, so that when God judgment, God's judgment came, it passed you by because of the lamb. Does that make sense? It's symbolic, it's a picture. And when you see the picture, it is re quite remarkable. That's why Jesus said, in, in all of the symbolisms in the Passover, there were only two that Jesus picked out and have us celebrate today. One was the bread and the other was the cup. There are actually four cups in Passover. We'll talk more about this Friday. There were two cups during the dinner, symbolic drinking, and then there were two cups after the dinner. If you'll notice that it was after the dinner that Jesus used one of the cups after the dinner, and he said, this is the cup, if you will, the New Testament. What did he say? 
in my blood. Okay, those are real religious words. What do they mean? What does New Testament in my blood mean? Well, the Old Testament, the word testament just means promise. Okay, so the old promise. What was the old promise? This. Jesus said, just as this was God's promise to Abraham, right? And, and that he delivered them from their slavery to go towards God's promise through this is the same way Jesus said is the New Testament, new promise in my blood. Not, not the lamb, but what the lamb represents. That is my life. That is me, the innocent, giving myself for the guilty. And so you have this incredible parallel that Jesus said over several thousand years, which we just happen to be on this end of it and look back at it. And if you have, if you have ears to ear and eyes to see, you're going, wow, that's, that is remarkable. And that anyone that is behind this, okay? Anyone who is outside of it, it doesn't count. It's like somebody who would say, hey, well, you know, during the flood, I went and stood, stood right next to the ark. It didn't matter if you stood next to it, right? You need to be in it. This is the same concept. See, it's the same story. It's the same story over and over again. It's just in different ways. And it's there for us to know for sure because only God could have written this out through the passage of time like he has. It truly is remarkable. It says over, uh, and let's go to the, the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 5 passage. It says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and don't miss this, okay? It says, now this is all, this will help you. This will help you if you want to know. Paul brings out this thought. What does he say? He said, cleanse out the old leaven. This is a Passover reference. This is Paul sharing with you more stuff. He said, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. He's comparing us to a lump of dough. But what's he talking about? If you're not Jewish, you don't have any idea. But see, think about this. Once a year, every year, for 4,000 years, right, our Jewish friends go throughout their house and they clean it to make sure that during Passover, there's no leaven or yeast in their homes. Because in the Old Testament, the picture of leaven or yeast is a picture of sin. So to cleanse is to clean it all out. In fact, Jewish mothers used to have a little game they'd play with their kids. They would roll up little rolls of dough with yeast in them and they'd hide them throughout the house. And it was a game for the children to make sure to go search every corner to make sure that we get all of the yeast out of the house, right? So he says, cleanse out the old, this is why we get spring cleaning, right? <laughs> Seriously, you get spring cleaning because Passover and Easter are always in spring and our Jewish people, they clean their houses before Passover to get all the yeast out, right? So it says, therefore you're a new lump, right? Not just the old, but new. As you really are unleavened, okay, well, you're not a lump of dough. It's the symbolism he's talking about. Paul, just like Jesus, telling us that this is a picture of Christ. And now it's a picture of you if you're in Christ. 
When he says that you really are unleavened, what is he saying about you? You're sinless. Not because you are, but because the one who died for you was. And he took your sin and gave you his sinlessness, right? Because of this death, figuratively, you are protected behind the door. Now, look at the next, as you really are unleavened. Look at this, for Christ, no, 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 yeah. For Christ, what? This is crowd participation time. Our Passover lamb. Oh, so this was just a picture of what that was in reality. Hmm, okay, bring out the, bring out the, uh, bring out the other one, all right? I want you just to see the, the picture here and let's put it all together, okay? For all of you that are visual learners, all right? Here we go. I want you to think about the picture here. And then if Christ truly is our Passover lamp, what does that mean for you and I? Interesting. Right? Again, so this is just, this is just a thought. But we got over here, all right? You've got the, and isn't it interesting how similar the blood is in its spots, right? And these events were 2,000 years apart. For those of you who have eyes to see and ears to hear, I want you to know that God has not just left it to chance and that following him is not blind faith. If you want to know, you can know. It's all there. It's all there. And this is just one picture. There are tons of them we're gonna be talking about over the next few weeks, but we don't have time to even talk about them all. But Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us, what? Celebrate. Celebrate the festival. Not with old leaven, Okay, the leaven of malice and evil, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I've actually had people at times tell me, well, I don't see anywhere in the scriptures where it says to celebrate Easter. He isn't calling us to celebrate Passover, but what Passover represents. Interesting, huh? Amazing, actually, when you think on it. John chapter one, verse 29, this is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was saying, you know, when he was out there baptizing people, he looked up and Jesus coming down the road and he says, he says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. He says, behold what? The lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, most believe, what is John talking about? Most believe that he's not talking about the Passover lamb, but the lamb on the day of atonement. That's another picture of Christ that's just as clear as this one that I'm not sure we're gonna have time to even get to. There are so many, but the Yom Kippur, as our Jewish friends would call it, uh, the Day of Atonement, there was a lamb sacrificed there also, and it's, it's another clear picture that's different from this one. But either way, the picture is the same, that during the time of Moses, if you were behind here, your life was preserved. It's the same picture with the cross that Jesus said is a parallel, is that those who are behind here are preserved because the innocent sacrificed himself for the guilty so that the guilty might be innocent. And it 
becomes pictures. That's why, guys, when you and I celebrate the Lord's Supper, I, sometimes people get upset with me. I know you're shocked. But sometimes people get upset with me. Well, you know, I think we ought to do communion every week. I don't. Because it just becomes commonplace. No, remember, they only did this, they only celebrated once a year. And I do not want us to get into the pattern of, yeah, 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 let's get this over with without even recognizing why we are doing the Lord's Supper. This coming week, you're gonna get it. I'll have both of these things still out Friday, but when we take it this Friday, you can remember that it comes from the derivative of Passover, and it's been passed on to us as Passover's fulfillment in Christ, which comes down to the fact, you know, are you in Him? Okay, are you behind the cross? Whatever the figurative language you want to use, it's the same concept, right? Now, number three, and this is where I'll close, is a life that has changed. You're going to find this every week, is that anytime anybody comes into contact with God's word and puts their faith and trust in it, it always changes their life. Always. I've studied the Bible now for lots of years. It happens every time. And yet we try to tell people today, you share the gospel with them, is that all you have to do is just say a prayer or just believe, you know, in your mind, just, I think Jesus is the Son of God. Well, I want you to understand that the picture is trust, not just mental agreement. And that every time anybody's come into contact with God's grace, his truth, their life has changed. In this particular case, they went from slavery to freedom, an entire nation in one night. That's about as radical a change as can happen, right? In fact, so much so, I see this with believers today, that if God has delivered you from slavery, it sometimes takes you a few years to learn how to live free. You still got the old grave clothes on. You still, still things are plaguing you and bothering you. Now, you, you don't, they don't have to. But sometimes it takes a while to actually accept that I am free, that I am forgiven, that I can live in freedom, and that we honor him the most when we learn to live in freedom. Right? People talk about Christianity being a lot of rules that bind, bind you up. That's just, that's just because religion's getting in the way of what the truth is about it. It's one of the most freeing things that there is. It is the most freeing things that it is because you talk about the impact it has on a person's life. So what happened? Exodus chapter 12, verse 30. Well, Pharaoh got up in the night, he and all of his servants, all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, right? For there was not a house that had someone who was dead in it. Then he summoned Mar uh, Moses and Aaron, Maron, all right, by night and said, hey, up, go, get out from people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you've said. Take your flocks, take your herds, take whatever you want. Just get out of here. And I think this is interesting. And also, before you leave, could you bless me also? Okay, godless Pharaoh had become a believer. Everybody one day is going to confess. Right? Scripture teaches it. Every, bow, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Christ is Lord. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, right? And the Egyptians were urgent. Get out, get out, you know, we need you out of here. Take a look at verse 35, right? He goes on to say, 35, can you help me? All right. 
Uh, take a look now in verse uh, 35. It says this, the people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, and, uh, and it all happened. Take a look at verse 37, the people of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, right? And it says about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. So when you think about the hundreds of years they've been enslaved, they'd gone from just a small family clan to this gigantic, so then a conservative, a very conservative number would be that 2 million people walked out free because it mentions 600,000 men on foot, not counting women and children. Well, for every man, there's a woman and usually there's a lot more children than that. So you do, you do the math. But because of one event, an entire nation went from slavery to freedom. And because of one event, an entire group of people, right, can go from death to life or slavery to freedom or whatever you want to call it. It becomes this great picture of why we celebrate and what we celebrate and why we do it. He goes on to say at the very end, and I'm just about done. Uh, verse 40, it says, the time that people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the Lord of the hosts went out from the land of Egypt. Uh, it was a night of the watching of the Lord and brought them out of the land. So, so what happened? Well, think about the difference. What happened to the people when they went from slavery to freedom? Well, number one, uh, they had different masters. The Egyptians were cruel taskmasters to them. And yet God, after they were set free, God led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So everything changed about them. And so when you look at these type things, right? When you understand then what does that mean to you and I? Then we understand because you're gonna see this coupled with what we're gonna talk about Friday night and then next week. This is God's plan. And I want you to hear me here. I think the thing that gets in the way of people not being able to see it is religion. Because see, if you just have a bunch of denominations and religions coming up with stuff, this message gets clouded. My goodness, some people said that, some people even say today that you can't have, and have forgiveness of sins unless you physically take the Lord's Supper. That's ridiculous. How can the symbol become the reality? This is the symbol, this is the reality. Interesting, huh? So it's, it's God's message to you. Don't let religion, and that's a passion of mine. I just want you to understand because I think for all those years, I could never see it because there were so many in the way. Again, I'm not blaming anybody. It probably had a lot to do with me too, right? But I just want you to see it. Well, that's what Baptists believe, Catholic. I don't care what any of them believe. Is this his message? Well, sure, it's pretty obvious. The question is then for you personally, not from what you think everybody else thinks or what so-and-so says. No, 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 this is his message to you. And your response means everything. How you respond will determine a whole lot. If you respond in faith, then a changed life is a result. If you don't, 
You know, I want to do what I want to do. I want to do this, 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 this. Okay, fine. But at least you know. At least you know. So if you, if you are a believer, then this should encourage your faith and bolster it in the understanding that God had this plan all along. And you just continue to grow in him and remember that you're journeying, right? You're on a journey. You know, continue to live how to live in, in the, continue to learn how to live in the freedom that's already yours, right? But if you're not a believer today, I'm not asking you to join anything. I'm not asking you to even do anything. But this is his message to you. And, and how you respond determines a whole lot, right? Well, you know, I went to church when I was little. There's a lot of hypocrites there. Guys, there are hypocrites everywhere. Are there hypocrites here? Of course there are, right? Am I one? Probably. I don't want to be. But why would I ever let hypocrites get in the way of God's message to me, right? I'm sorry, I got to stop. <laughs> God bless you though, God bless you. And if you're not a believer today and you wanna know what it means, it just means putting your faith and trust in what he's provided. And then you begin to follow him, right? So as I close, if there's never been that time, then you can do that today. But remember this, if you wanna to talk to somebody about it, and I, I know I say this every week, but I know that freaks someone out, some people out. There'll be some people up here afterwards love to talk with you if you want to talk. The reason I do that is I actually have a fear that somebody would say, leave and say, you know, I really wanted to talk to somebody, but I didn't, I didn't know who to go to. Okay, right here, right, right here. But if that bothers you, hey, listen, if you want to take something with you, we have a booklet that I put together called Got Questions, Right? Some people have asked me earlier today with all of this, they said, well, can I take one for a friend? Or yeah, I take as many as you want, right? That's why they're out there. But it's, uh, it's just part of a little message that I put in there that explains really what I explained to you today. And it's got a CD of a, of a message. And I know CDs are on their way out, but we're trying, to, we're trying to catch up and we'll do some downloadable stuff. But this is something tangible you can take, right? Anybody? No cost to you, just grab one on your way out, all right? God bless you, God bless you. And as I close, obviously don't miss Friday. We're gonna have a great time in here, especially if you've come today. And, um, but next week, I don't know what it is about Easter, but people love the celebration of it. Um, it's extra special to me this year because dad, my dad. And uh, we're gonna do some some special things next week. So if you have people in your life that you would just like to hear the clear message, of because it's gonna be a lot like this one, uh, because all of them are the same, right? They're just different stories. Right? Then next week would be a great time to bring somebody. All right, God bless you, God bless you.